You're listening to the We're All Right podcast, hosted by Brandon Erseg. Hello, everyone. Here we are, episode number five of the pod. And to round out the top five, I thought there was no better time um, to get a club grade on and our first um, past player. Um, this is the first podcast recorded in season as well. Um, and the guest we have is very familiar with the week-to-week process and grind once the season commences. Um, It's a pretty long introduction because of the achievements of this man, so I'll waste no time in getting straight into him. Um, He's a 175-game player, kicked 80 goals and averaged 22 disposals across his league career from 2002 to 2012. Uh, Back-to-back Swan medalists in 08 and 09, with three top, three top five placings in the Sandover medal to go with that as well, including, including finishing third in 2007. He represented the state three times in 2010, 2007 and 2012. And he captained the club from 2010 to 2012, including a premiership in the first year as captain, making him the club's most recent premiership captain in what is a very distinguished and exclusive club. Um, If that last part hasn't given it away, the guest I speak of is none other than Josh Roberts or J-Row as he is known to many. I feel extremely privileged to have gotten him on the pod and appreciate him giving up some some of his time. J-Row, welcome. How are you? Thank, yeah, good. Thanks for the introduction, Brandon. Cheers, mate. Did I get, did I get everything yeah, right I think there? you covered everything. <laughs> um, is this something you ever thought you'd be doing? No. A podcast back at the club? Not at Swan Districts. No, 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 no. definitely not. So, no, it's a great initiative, though. I think, uh, yeah, I was just saying before, I, I listened to the one with Jesse uh, a couple of days ago, and yeah, it was great. It yeah. was a good initiative. Yeah. Have you ever done anything like this before? No, and I've listened to plenty of them. Yeah. Yeah, I love a good pod, but yeah, uh, yeah never thought I'd be on the other side of the microphone yeah yeah no it's it's good to have you i've been looking forward to it for a while definitely had you on the list um from the get-go um we'll get straight into it the first question i like to ask um given it's a swan districts podcast is where and how did your journey and connection to the club sort of start yeah just in the development squad so um from 13 13s all the way up to 16s and then from there, Colts footy, resis and leagues. So, yeah, um, all the way through high school every year, development squads and just built from there. Yeah, so sort of the traditional pathway, I suppose, for a lot of local guys. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in the hills, um, Kalamunda and, and Mazenod and, yeah, and, yeah, we had a lot of a lot of guys from those teams always, yeah, get get put into the, the development squads. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was g- going to mention your junior footy was um, Mazenod and you've already sort of answered it um, whether you grew up in the area or, or I know some people are boarders at Mazenod but you obviously grew oh, yeah, up in I grew up yeah grew up in the hills yeah pretty um, happy with that area of Perth yeah it was yeah it was good as a kid growing up um, I was pretty keen to get out of there as soon as I could so uh, yeah okay uh, but no it's a, it's a great spot but um, yeah I think as a kid with the open space and just being out of the city it was fantastic but yeah um, yeah, I was keen to get a bit closer to the city when I was when I became an adult. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and how did junior footy go? I played in the same area and league. Were Maz not any good, or were there some other club clubs that were sort of at the top? Because you obviously would have been playing junior footy as well yeah. growing up there. No, we were always yeah one of the best teams. Um, I think we won it two or th- two or three flags. Okay. I think we I, th- I think we made the GF every year. Yeah, um, but it was us and. 
I think Bassendine and Upper Swan were probably the big the big three. Yeah, Calamunda yeah. maybe as well. But yeah, our, our team was pretty strong. Yeah, did, was there anyone um, that ended up playing? league footy with you that was playing yeah. at Mazenod Juniors as well yeah, at the time. Pruy, your coach at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, we were at the same um, year at high school and he was the captain captain of our side. There you go. Um, I think it was probably just us two in, in that year. But yeah, so many, so many players have come from that 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 school um, before us and after us. So yeah. Yeah. And um another thing you probably it's probably a regular question and will continue to be one when you were growing up, was footy sort of always the sport um that you played and and what you wanted to do like was AFL the dream and you were just mad about footy or did you fall into it or maybe start to like it and want to do it a little bit later no I've yeah was uh, yeah played footy and loved footy from a very young age so like a lot of kids footy winter and cricket in summer and um yeah loved loved them both the same um um I I never thought I could I probably didn't have the self-belief as a junior coming through to think that I could play AFL looking back on it now I probably think I could have if I committed a little bit more to it but yeah I I loved it I was a yeah I knew everything that was happening in the AFL and even the waffle as a kid growing up I knew all the statistics I was a real nuffy so um but yeah didn't didn't think it would be a pathway for me I I don't yeah no but I played a pretty um big role yeah like as a kid growing up 100% yeah my old man you know, took me to the Waffle Games all the time. We were big South Fremantle supporters as kids How growing did that, up. How did that happen? Yeah, he's just that, that was his his dad. You know, it was just a family tradition, really. So, yeah, um, yeah I used to come here all the time when South were playing. But um, yeah, okay. So yeah, I yeah I knew I, I knew all the players in the South side and would get autographs from them and go into that's the rooms and all that sort yeah. of thing. So Ma- yeah, made a, a few trips out to Freo, obviously. Yeah, as well. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah, but I was yeah I loved it as a kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll sort of move into the time at the at the. Oh, actually, before we do that, um, cricket. Yeah. Any good? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, <laughs> played um, at Midland Guildford, you know, th- with the development squads or whatever they were called back then. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty good opening batsman. Yeah. And yeah, we had a pretty strong cricket side as well. And and yeah, I think probably the last year of school, fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, just footy got a little bit more interesting for me and. Yeah, at, at the end of school, finished up cricket, but yeah, no, I really love cricket. Yeah, okay. Um, could you what what was your bowling if you had to? Um, do you? I was a decent bowler. I, I was I loved Mark War as a kid, so yeah, okay. I, I would sort of do the hybrid medium paces at the start of the day when it was sort of moving <laughs> around a bit, and then transition to a bit off spin. Yeah, nice. By the end, so building in the slips, maybe <laughs> did, as well. Didn't leave first. Or <laughs> slip, yeah. Perfect. Um, so yeah, you you talked about um development squads you obviously played in those um here at the club uh when you were sort of from 13 onwards um it was uh, Colts then would have been your first taste of uh like a proper full season here at the footy club because obviously development squads are only your sort of your mm. two week yep. sort of carnival at the time it probably was but yeah and I think back then um I was still playing school footy and and and, and still playing a bit of Colts footy on the side so I'd, I think when I first started playing Colts footy, it was not not so much training full time with them. It was yeah coming sort of yeah by the end of the season coming down and playing a few games. Uh, that was probably in, in year eleven or twelve. I can't quite remember the yeah, time, okay. but yeah, it it would have been not long after that that yeah you were that would like back then you were sort of thrown into the league set up pretty quickly. So mm. I don't think I actually did a full preseason with the Colts. I think yeah, it right. was straight into the the league set up at at 
16 or 17. Yeah, right. So it was a little bit different um, back then. So did you play any um, full seasons of Colts as well or? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah okay. I, th- I, th- I can't remember. I, I'm sure I only played maybe a dozen games. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I remember playing the, our first game. The club was the whole club was struggling, the Colts, the, the reserves, the league. And um, they they just brought in a lot of the 16-year-olds into the Colts setup. Um, and I th- I'm sure Amesy might have played that first game, but there was a few of us. And um, yeah, we actually they brought in all these kids, and, and and we won our first game of the year. And and it sort of yeah, the tide sort of changed a little bit from that point onwards with with sort of yeah, blooding a lot a lot of the younger kids. But yeah, that that was it really. Just a few games at the end of the year, and then yep. I think the following year, yeah, straight up into the senior setup. Yeah, I was so. I was going to ask you obviously about your transition to senior footy from yeah. Colts because there's a couple of the guys that I've had on already have played a few years of Colts footy, but it sounds like it was a little bit different um, when you were coming up. Um, I, you saw that you made your league debut in round one of 2002, mm. um, and we'll get to that day more in particular, but touching on that, so how old would you have been at the time and you you maybe maybe only played a few Colts games and mm. you come straight into playing a league game. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'd played a few Colts games the year before and maybe even a couple of Resies games in yep. the back end of the previous year, um, which I think I was still at school, still in year twelve. And yeah, at that point, yeah, coming into that O two season, I wasn't the only one. There was a lot of younger guys that were pushed up a year that, that we could have kept playing Colts footy that. That were um, yeah encouraged to to train with the league setup, um, and yeah just had a had a had a pretty good preseason really and and performed reasonably well in some of the pracky games and was able to get a start in round one. Yeah yeah okay so yeah, that is a lot, lot different to how it is. Um, yeah now, I suppose. So did you do the full summer? Yep. With the league side as well while you're still at school. No, I think that was the year after school. Okay. So yeah, I think it. When we when I was still at school, it was still mainly school footy. Yeah. And then the first year out of school, as a sort of seventeen-year-old go, going into a, yeah turning eighteen, that was our first um, proper full uh, preseason at the footy club. And yeah, it was no mucking around, straight into yeah, right. the league setup and baptism of fire. Baptism of fire. John Todd was our coach. Yeah. It was very, okay. Yeah, it was it, it was very different back then. There probably wasn't like looking at how it's set up now. The Colts setup is a lot more structured. Um, the pathways are a lot more clearer back then it was it wasn't like that it was yeah you sort of get yeah thrown around and anywhere really but there wasn't as much emphasis on the Colts program yeah it's, it's, it's a lot more important now yeah 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 absolutely um and it's a pretty good development program here too yeah that, that, that Swans have got set up um yeah we will touch on your debut game but I see that you're doing a bit of research you played only three league or actually, sorry, a handful of league games across your f- the first two years mm. from your debut, so 2002, 2003. So was the majority of the time you weren't playing league in those two years playing reserves? Mm, that, Did you play a bit of reserves footy? Yeah. So, yeah. So made my debut as a 17-year-old and played the first three games of, of 02. Yeah. And... My third – I don't think I got a possession of my third game, so I had a few donuts. Oh, I didn't and look at oh, yeah, I didn't look at the disposals that. that <laughs> but, um, yeah, John Todd was pretty hard on me after that one and 
I was in the state 18 setup at that point as well, so there's a little bit of that happening on the side. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was I was dropped after round three and told that I wouldn't play league footy again that year. So they'd written me off pretty quickly after those Stuck three true games. true to that. Too and, well. um, <laughs> back in the twos and, and even back into the Colts at some, at some point that year as okay. well. And yeah, just that probably yeah knocked me around a little bit in reflection where it took me a bit to recover. So yeah, to 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 have started really well playing three games as a 17-year-old and then not getting another opportunity until the following year. I think it was the last three games, so there was a huge gap yeah. in between. Yeah. I played, played a lot of twos footy and probably pretty average footy as well because, yeah, went through very much of a flat spot at that point. Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, well, uh, just touching on the debut, um, you've said you were 17 and you picked in round one that would have been a pretty um surreal feeling you played Subiaco here at Bassendine um what do you remember about that day mm. like if anything because generally it's not not a day you'd forget yeah yeah and this was back in the day where there wasn't rotations like there were now so I started <laughs> on the bench I'm sure I didn't get on until a little bit before half time and especially with John Todd as the coach very yeah. traditional and, yeah. and 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 coaching a certain way there wasn't many changes. So I, I, I remember getting on just before halftime. That explains the low disposal count, mate. Well, yeah. <laughs> Blame Toddy. I think that's pretty yeah, prevalent for the first probably 30 or 40 games. But yeah, there wasn't many, many touches and playing half forward flank probably back then. And what I do remember, like we, we played Subi who pretty physical side, like back then as well in the waffle, it was like a lot of men, a lot of 25 to 30 yeah, year olds. I look absolutely. at it now and there's probably a lot, there's a few of those guys, but a lot of younger guys, and I I can't I can't remember his name, but he was a pretty intimidating back flanker for Subiaco. He had this huge sort of Viking beard. And I came on, and the first thing he did is grabbed me and knee, just kneed me in the chest. The ball was nowhere near. He just he just saw this kid come on and thought, "I'm going to introduction. I'm, I'm welcome to league footy." Yeah. And he just grabbed me and kneed me in the chest. Probably no how many umpires back then? Oh, probably maybe two. Maybe two. I yeah. can't remember, but yeah. Um, that was a baptism of fire. So, yeah, yeah. it was uh, yeah, great looking back on it and, and thinking about that. But, yeah, I was pretty nervous. Uh, there's a photo that, that I've got at home somewhere of me sitting on the bench, you know, waiting to come on, and I just looked terrified. So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, as a 17-year-old, it would have been pretty daunting. And I think, uh, yeah, I obviously watched a lot of waffle footy just a few years after that, you guys. To me, the... Um, physicality of league footy back then was a bit more than I reckon it probably is right now. Um, yeah, I think just for the, the types of players that were still there, like mm. there was so many, like I said before, so many 30-year-olds still running around. Um, you know, some of the, the East Perth guys, I remember Devon Perry and these sort of guys were just massive, massive men. Yeah. And yeah, there was no mucking around. They were out for blood a yeah. lot of times. And, and probably could get away with a little bit more Definitely. Then as well. Um, so you, you touched on that. Yeah. I was going to, one thing I was going to ask you is how, whether you followed the waffle a lot. Um, mm. cause I've already mentioned it a little bit, but I used to sort of follow your team quite a lot when I was a youngster, not just the AFL. Um, who were the, some of the names you sort of remember playing with in those early three games mm. where you might've been a little bit, um, starstruck or grown up, maybe admiring like from a Swan Districts perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, like we had a, a number of those really mature guys as well in our side. Mm. Um, and again, being able to spend that pre-season with them and, and then that first first year in 02. So Joel Cornelius, Shane Barros, Mark Piani, Trav Edmonds, Wes Kestel, 
Craig DeCourcy. There were so many of them. There was, there was a really core group of really good footballers in that in that team and real hard bastards as well. Yeah. So it was, it was a great learning experience. Were they welcoming to you as a youngster or were they pretty tough? Again, it's, it's so different these days. Yeah. Like I think back then you really had to earn your stripes mm. and, and I, I wouldn't have been the type of personality to put myself out there with those guys. I would have been in the background just trying to sort of blend in and, and do the do the work. But yeah, it would have taken, it definitely would have taken, it did take a few years to earn their respect, no doubt. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you mentioned it as well. And, yeah, after those first three league games, which were in rounds one, four and five, which of 20, 2002, you didn't play again until round 20 in 2003, mm. like you said. So that's a that's a fairly long um, uh, gap. Um, you, you touched on that. It probably shook you up mm. a little bit. But uh, do you want to maybe sort of touch on that a little bit more? Um, do you think it was a time when you started to work out a little bit more what was expected and sort of what was required to play league footy mm. um, at that level after maybe getting thrown an opportunity earlier than expected or probably yep. before you were ready to? Yeah, so I th again, it's easy to say in hindsight, but when you play junior footy and, and school footy, you just you just rock up and you come to training and you get a kick and mm. if you're good enough to get a game, you get a game. Yep. And, um, and it was the first, it would have been the first time that I would have experienced ever getting dropped. And and the manner of, of when it was, of how it was done as well would be so different to what it is now where, you know, as a young kid, you would have been comforted and you would have been, you know, looked after a little bit more. Yep. But back then it was sort of a make or break mentality. Especially with someone like John Todd. Yeah, exactly. I, I've never, never experienced it, but from what you hear. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, John Todd, like just a hard bugger and it was you perform or, or you're out type thing. And um, there's no grey areas. So you get told between the eyes if you're good enough or not. And mm. um, I was good enough initially and then, and then yeah, didn't perform and was told, yeah, you're, you're not going to play again for the rest of the year. It's, yeah, it's, we're only three games in really. Yeah. So... And yeah, just, again, I probably just didn't, I didn't know how to handle it as a kid and um, yeah, just waste, wasted a, a lot, wasted that year and probably the year after by not having, not having the capacity to be able to get through that, you know, mentally more than anything else and just, mm. and then just losing confidence, going through the motions, yeah, yeah, okay. losing, yeah, losing your way a little bit. So, but again, like I look back on that now and, and think that's, as, ma as bad as it was in, in those that initial year or two, the fact that you got through that and then found a way to to get yourself back to a, a stronger level created um, you know created a, a lot of resilience. And if I'd had you know had it given to me a, a lot earlier without being deserving on it of it, it, it may have changed me as a person yeah. and, and how I went about things. So yep. average to begin with, but definitely would have been um, beneficial in the long run. For yeah. Me. So yeah, knocked knocked your confidence a little bit a little bit, but obviously yeah went away and still worked on things a bit to eventually come back into that. No, I know it was a, it was a gap, but to come back into that league side at the end of the year. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you about that time, having a look, I think I've gotten this right. 2002 was a pretty tough year for the club. Mm. They only won one game. What, what, <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, if I've, if I've got that right, yeah, I think I, they only won one game yeah. in the league side. What, yep. what was it like being around yeah. the club at that time, especially when you're in that phase of your career where you're so yeah. young and probably just trying to work it, it, it out. It was a whole club though, and it was wasn't even that year. It was the previous year or two where we'd we'd hardly win anything. The Colts wouldn't win a game. The the, the Rezies wouldn't win anything, and the league was just struggling. Yeah, like you said, winning one game, and mm. the year before we may have only won a couple of ga games as well. Um, the club as a whole was really struggling as well back then. I remember as a as a junior, 
you know, Colts and 16s having to rattle the 10s to try to um, generate some money for yeah. the club because there was discussions that the club was bankrupt and, and may have to fold and they had to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars to stay afloat. Mm. I think that was one of the reasons they got Toddy back as well, just to hopefully, you know, create a, a bit more of, of, um, of, of interest in the club and, 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 and um, raise some money. But, yeah, we were, we were really average. Um, and I remember after round one, there was, a, <laughs> there was a crisis meeting already after round one because I think the, te- the club had geared themselves up for a, a big season. We got smashed. And, after your uh, first, uh, first, first game as well. Game, yeah. The players, um, yeah, the players initiated it and I remember that was brutal as well. So, yeah, it, it took us a while to find our feet. Yep. as a club over that period. Yeah, it sounds like it was a it was a pretty tough time from yep. what I hear. Um, so yeah, you obviously we've, we've said it. You finished off in the league side in two thousand and three, three games in a row. Um, I'm guessing you obviously trained again with the league side over that summer, heading into two thousand and four. Did you? Where were you at going into two thousand and four in terms of um, how far off? you thought you were in, in becoming a league regular? Um, testing the memory a bit, but <laughs> um, I think at the end of that se- end of that off season, I, I think I might have gone to Sydney for a few months with my girlfriend at the time okay. and, and even thought about staying over there with her and, um, yeah, just maybe not worrying about footy anymore. But I did decide to come back in the end and, and, and commit to another season. And, yeah, I, I think that might have been – yeah, definitely. I definitely um, committed myself more to it, and I don't think the '04 season was great in terms of playing every game. But I definitely took some steps forward and, and played more foot, played more footy, and probably a little bit better footy than the previous couple of years. Yeah, I, yeah. The the reason I sort of asked is because you played 13 um, league games in 2004, um, which was a big jump on the two years prior. Um, three each in the in the two years prior. Yep. You only played one early, but you came in in round 14. And I think with um, buyers, you either didn't miss a game from there or only missed a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, it, when you look at that, it looks like maybe you um, – took that jump or maybe not took that jump but r- realized what needed to be done mm. to play consistently um I so it, i think it was just time in the resis as well yeah from memory i, I think i played 49 twos games yeah and um so a fair chunk so i, I yeah. was motivated not to play 50 yeah um so just time <laughs> just time in the resis and and getting getting through periods where i was struggling and by the end by the end of it and, and probably the start of that four season had started to play some really good footy and got an opportunity and, and started to feel a bit more comfortable. Yeah, did, did yeah. So you you did start to feel. Is that when you think you first started to feel comfortable yeah. at that level in the back half? Back up, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then the second part of that um, back half of two thousand and four, I wanted to ask about was you actually got your first taste of finals footy um, from a league perspective. You played in a semi final and a prelim. Mm. Um, Talk us through that experience, um, not only your first taste of a final, but also winning one and then losing one and maybe getting a little bit of a glimpse into what it might take to get to the ultimate, which yep. is a premiership or playing off in a grand final. Yeah. So, and it, it, like looking back to where we were in 02, winning one game, um, that was John Todd's last year. I think Steve Turner came in in 03. Mm. And at that point they brought in, uh, a few um, exper- more experienced players and we had a reasonable season. But that 04 season, 
um, yeah, we um, we started to we started to play some really really good footy, and um, it was a huge time at the footy club as well because we hadn't played finals for I think over ten years. So I, I, I remember, and it's, I, I remember uh, for Trav Edmonds who had been there so long and had played however many games, two hundred odd games. Yeah. It was, I think it was his first final. And it was such a huge thing for the footy club to finally get back into the finals after all these years. A bit like when Perth made it a couple of years ago yeah. after however many years yeah. out of the... It, that was like it was for us. So, it, yeah, there was a huge, huge excitement around the club at that time. Yeah, and um, you smashed South Freo in that first mm. semi-final. Was that here at... Um, no. Asnine? No, they nice. played all the finals back then at Subi. Actually... Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. What was that like playing yeah, at Subiaco Oval? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think we we won well in the end. It was tight probably up until three quarter time, and and then we just kicked away. Yeah. In the last quarter, um, I remember Craig DeCourcy, who was a really good player. He, I think he kicked five or six. For a, is that for wing, us? For us? Yeah. From a wing, and yep. yeah, we like back then we had you know Brady Anderson and came back and 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 played a couple of years with us and the Casson brothers. So. And, and the guys that I mentioned before in Cornelius, Edmonds, mm. Barros, those sort of guys. So to ha- have that really good mix that, that had been slogging their guts out for years without any success. Yep. A, a new coach and some more senior experience that had been brought in and, and getting to the point where we were competitive and, yeah, game away from a GF. Yeah, and like was there much – and there probably wasn't, but was, was there a whole lot of expectation on – where you guys should end up in terms of results or was it because the club hadn't made finals in so long you were just happy to be there or uh, was too, yeah not really there sure. was definitely no expectations um well there, there would have been expectations coming into that season because of the gains we'd made in 03 but yeah I don't, I don't think as a as a as a competition there was any respect for us as a footy club yeah. so to win that first final was massive and mm. the, the jubilation from our supporters was huge. Like, you know what the Swannies yeah. supporters are like. They, the come out, they come out in force and that was a uh, – yeah, it was a great game at Subi that day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you didn't feel comfortable by the end of 2004, 2005 looked like the one where you really cemented your um, your spot in the league side because you played every game. I don't know if that's how you sort of remember it. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah it was just like – Coming as a club, um, having some decent success the year before, and I know going into that season, we were all pretty excited. Um, and I think we played finals again that year, um, yep. but we may have—I think we may have lost the first one from yeah. memory. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just for me, it was just feeling more comfortable in my role, and um, yeah, I don't think I was playing midfield still at that point. It was probably still half forward flank and and that sort of thing. But yeah, definitely started to feel like I belong. Yeah. Um, and did you sort of have your eye on? A midfield spot not from really. pretty early on, or no, not really? Not really, because even as a junior at, at school, um, I was I sort of played full forward and full forward, full forward, <laughs> and then would get thrown into the midfield a little bit. And then when I came down here, I wasn't big enough to be a proper full forward, yeah. so I played forward flank. I was sort of like a crafty half forward. Yeah, flanker. okay. Yeah. So it, it kind of, um, yeah, it happened by accident a little bit. Yeah, right. Turning into an, a midfielder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would have been over that period of time where it where it happened yeah yeah because yeah, if we um we look at 2005 as the year where you played first year where you played every game and then i think uh, where you might agree or not but 2007 looked like it was your real maybe breakout year in terms of um status in the competition mm. um you finished third in the sandover which sandover voting isn't everything obviously but you, you still finished third in the sandover and you played 75 games of um 
league by the end of the year and you also played state footy for the first time in 2007. Um, did you feel like by that point you are rubbing shoulders with the best mids in the in the yeah. comp? Because I'm guessing you'd, you'd transitioned yeah. into the midfield by then. By, by sort of mid-06 is when I transitioned into the midfield and and the back end of that year I did play some really good footy and I think I might have come second in the Swan medal that year, mm-hmm. sort of from nowhere really, just had a really good second half of the year. And then going into the 07 season, we'd lost, we'd lost quite a few of our senior players or, or some of our better midfielders had started to, to get a little bit older. So, yeah, there was more of an opportunity for me. And, yeah, the season went really well from, from the start. And, yeah it, was, yeah, it was definitely that sort of breakout year, I, I suppose, amongst the competition. And, um, to, yeah, to play state footy and, and be recognised as one of the better players in the comp was, yeah, it was satisfying. Yeah, um did you sort of put your hand up for a mid spot heading into that 2007 season, or was there some was there a coach or someone who sort of um, pegged you for that role and sort of mm. encouraged you and sort of pushed you into that direction? Yeah, it, it definitely happened in in 06, the back end of 06. I can't exactly remember how it happened, but maybe just an opportunity had presented, and I started to get a bit of the footy, and probably started to be get to get a lot harder in terms of how I approached footy. Like yeah. I wasn't before that. I was, yeah, like I said before, like a flighty half forward flanker that would just relied a little bit more on craft and skill. But by that sort of mid 06 part of the season, I started to understand what it meant to become a hard footballer and, mm. and um, you know, win contested ball and all those sorts of things. And yeah, learn, learning that in 06 and then being able to bring that into the 07 season was, yeah, it was, was where it started. Yeah. And was it, were there any sort of, um, midfielders uh, in other teams that you maybe had a good game on or sort of um, set yourself for um, that were seen as some of the better mids that maybe gave you confidence in that role and, mm. and that you were at that level in terms of the top tier? Yeah, and I mean, like back then as well, there was like Matty Prittis was running around. It was before he got drafted and yeah. he was dominating and I had to play him a few times. Um, Jackson Crabb from Claremont, mm-hmm. um, Toby McGrath from South Fremantle. So there were some really good midfielders, um, and yeah, like initially, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have performed well against them. But again, just just continuity to show up each week and, and getting a little bit more confidence. Yeah, you started to put yourself in the in the conversation, I suppose, with with being one of the better mids in the comp. Yeah. Um, and from a team perspective, after um, experiencing finals in 04 and 05, um, the club missed in finals in 06 and 07. Um, there were some additions or changes to the club ahead of 2008, which probably helped contribute to what happened that season. Um, but you'd been at the club for a little while, played a bit of league footy by then. Where did you feel like the club was at prior to yeah. the 2008 season? Yeah, well, definitely transitioned from that 03 to 06 period where we had had a bit of success and a lot of the recruits that we had, Brady Anderson and, yeah, some of the other guys and, and even some of our core senior players had just started to come to the end of their career a little bit. So by 06, 07, we had we, – 07 in particular, we had a very, very poor season. Our coach got sacked and, um, yeah, it was, it was a shambles really. It was just a changing of the guard – and then coming into 08 when when Brian was appointed as coach, a lot of the the previous core group of senior players, most of them had gone and it was the younger brigade coming through yep. that had been there for three or four years that that was sort of the next nucleus of, 
the, the next period of success that we were going to have. Who, who were some of those um, guys, if you remember? Yeah. Like sort of end of 07, heading into 08. Yeah. That weren't that didn't get recruited in that year, but were yeah. had already spent a few years. Probably. Tal, Amesy. Yeah, Amesy, yeah. It was a big one. And um, Simo and yeah. um, he was a couple of years younger than us. But, yeah, um, yeah, there was that core group of – and there's others that I would have missed, but there was a core group of players that had been there a few years. Yeah. And, and yeah, the new guys that were added in were really just the ice. Yeah, uh, complemented everything else that we'd we'd had in, in that yeah, place. Yeah. So um yeah, two thousand and eight was obviously pretty successful and that you reached a grand final, which unfortunately didn't go your way. Um were you surprised or was it a surprise that you guys made the grand final that year? You finished finished fourth on the ladder, but you're basically equal second with um equal on wins with second and third, but yep. Subiaco were it looked miles yeah. ahead of the competition, but were you surprised that you made it that year? Yeah. Was it a bit of a surprise? Well, again, coming from 07, I'm sure we came second last that year, so mm. it was a pretty average year. Um, and to, yeah, to to make fine, like we had such a an exciting team, like this was Nick Natanui coming through and Chris Yaron and yeah. like all these guns that were sort of 17 coming through there was the core group of, of locals and then there was some of the interstate recruits that were added to it so yeah we played some amazing footy that mm. year and and we won some great games we got smashed on, i'm sure in a few and yeah it was pretty tight up the top of the ladder from what i can recall but um yeah we we snuck into the finals and yeah that run we had into the gf was that was really memorable like each game we went into we were massive underdogs mm-hmm. um but to beat south down in Fremantle. That f- the first final was huge. Um, we then went up to West Perth and we were six goals down, I think, at half time, and, yeah. and then like, come back from there. And um, I remember being out that game. Out that game. Yeah, it was incredible. And um, they blew this. Everyone thought the siren. Yeah, went, that's right. They yeah. blew the siren or something like that. Yeah. But there was still two minutes left on the clock, yeah. so yeah. we had to go back out again. Yeah, and, yeah. And try to hang on. So yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, no, nah, it was a it was a good run um, to watch, but. Um, yeah, it, it 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 looked like in on reflection that it might have been a little bit of a um, case of a team sort of getting that opportunity maybe a little bit earlier than they expected or they were ready for, which you hear about in the AFL. Even like Sydney Swans last mm. year was a little bit um, similar to that. Um, do you remember anything from the day? You started really well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm we watching were, a bit of the replay. Yeah, uh, we were up early and I think it might have been pretty close to being even at half time. Mm. And I remember Subi being really frustrated that they weren't dominating us early. Like they had such an experienced side. Daniel Chick, Philip Reid, Brad Smith. It was just all, you know, men compared to a lot of a lot of our kids. And they just they just overpowered us in the end. But yeah, we just played with so so much confidence initially and I remember going into halftime, and there was a, a real feeling that we could somehow we, we were going to we were going to somehow bring it home. But yeah. they they dominated us dominated us in the second half. Yeah. Um, did they they like you mentioned? They had a lot of sort of seasoned, mm. hard um, veteran players. Did, did did maybe maybe not some of the really younger guys, but did like yourself maybe and some others take anything out of that in terms of like having that hardened yeah. attitude in the way you're going to approach other teams maybe moving forward or anything yep. like that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like Subi for me over that period were always the benchmark and they demanded so much of each other. 
th- those guys. Like the way they spoke to each other on the field mm. was pretty direct. And, um, yeah, that always stuck with me. And, yeah, again, being exposed to those sort of things and, and then being able to mix it with those sort of teams and, and individuals um, definitely would have given us confidence yeah. coming into the next sort of period of, of time. Yeah, because, yeah, I, I, I remember having real brief training experience with the senior squad maybe a couple of years later and, and watching a lot of that, um, you always played like you were uncompromising and if um, if guys were going to be coming into that team once it was a little bit more established, they sort of had to to work to the standard that was sort of set. So I, I just, yeah, it made me wonder if a bit of that came from experiences like playing against those Subi teams. I think so, and even even just the core group that I mentioned a couple of times already when I was coming through, like they were uncomprom- un- uncompromising. You know, no one was more uncompromising than Shane Beros, mm-hmm. Joel Cornelius, and these sort of guys. And yeah, you just had to earn respect. And um, and yeah, I probably had a bit of that mentality as well when I became a senior player. And, and uh, to be honest, maybe a lot of time it, it wasn't the right way to go about it. But at the time, that's what you think is required. Yeah. Um. We're getting close to 2010, um, but before we get there, you uh, you did play finals in 2009, made a prelim, Mm. which is a a successful, it's deemed a successful year. Did it feel like a failure at the time, given what had occurred in 08? Yeah, definitely. We were a better team in 09, and um, our first final here, I think we finished third on the ladder. We beat West Perth in in a final here. Pretty pretty easy. Well, I think we won comfortably. And the Subiaco team that we faced in the in the GF, uh, in, sorry, in the in the preliminary final, weren't the same team as what they were the year no. before. And they weren't the top team either. No, South, South had finished on top of that year. Yeah. So South were the, the best team that year, and they they given us a few touch ups. But Subi were gettable, and and I'm sure we'd beaten them throughout the year. And yeah, we weren't. We just weren't at our best that day, and maybe the experience um shone through from there and in the end but yeah that was that was an opportunity missed. So that I'm guessing that was probably a bit of a burning. Um, burning desire or get, drove a lot of hunger for yeah, for the following 100%, preseason. Hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, the previous two years had really set us set ourselves up for that twenty ten season. Yep. Um, and yeah, approaching that that year, like we were so we were confident, but we we'd put the work in over that preseason. Yep. We'd had that core group together for a while. We added a couple of other pieces, which helped. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and then it all went from there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Two thousand and ten. It was obviously. A big year on a number of fronts. Um, first, the first one I wanted to touch on was Adam Lang retired at the end of mm. 2009, um, and as a result, the captaincy role was vacated, which you ultimately took over. Um, did you think you were a chance or have aspirations at the time, or did you consider yourself um, a leader of the club with with over 100 games of experience by that point? Yeah, I, I didn't ever strive for it. It wasn't something that I even thought about. Um, and I, I was a bit uncomfortable even taking it on initially. I remember yeah, when okay. it was put forward to me um, by the board at the end of 09, I didn't say yes in, initially. I went away for, this was over the pre-season, yeah, for right. probably three or four weeks and, and didn't give him an answer. And I, I was sort of pushing me on giving him a yes or a no. So I obviously said yes in the end. But yeah, yeah it wasn't something that I was really comfortable to do initially. I, never, I didn't sort of – I wasn't – you know, I think I was a leader at that time with how I approached the game, how I played and trained, but I, I probably wasn't the best leader with the other aspects to it. And yeah. That's, and, and I wasn't trying to be either. I was just happy to, to go about 
the way you know my role and and, and playing in a, in a good side so and yeah like Langy was a great cap he was he was a great player first and foremost and was a terrific leader and someone that I you know was a, a, a really good mentor for me over the period of time he was at the footy club so um, yeah it was big shoes to fill had you um been involved in leadership group or had any sort of vice captaincy role prior to 2010 um i might have been involved one year but maybe back in 07 but yeah the previous couple of years i i hadn't hadn't pushed it and i'm not i'm sure we did have leadership groups i can't quite recall but yeah i, I don't i don't think i was part of it yeah do you, do you remember um feeling added pressure by having that role or was it just a little bit of uncomfortableness at the start yeah. Probably more my personality of just, you know, I, I like to sort of blend into the framework a little bit. Mm -hmm. So with the intention sort of that came with that, that was a little bit hard to to deal with initially. Um, the pressure probably came early on in the season when we, we weren't performing well. Like our first practice game against Claremont, they beat us by close to 100 points. That was my first yeah, game right. as captain, even though it was a practice game. We were, we were, <laughs> well, off, we were well off the pace. This, the pre-game speech yeah, wasn't yeah, quite right. That yeah, day. exactly. So... And again, probably three or four rounds in, we, we, we might have been one and three, I think. Mm. So we, the season didn't start perfectly for us, but yeah, we grew into it. Yeah. And I probably grew into the role a little bit more, but yeah, I think it was just, just how, like what you said before, just in terms of, you know, dem demanding high sta standards in terms of training and playing, that was, that was probably um, the reason I was given the, given the job. Yep. Um, oh, no doubt it would have been, part of you would have felt um, pretty good or it felt like a bit of an honour to be voted in to that kind of role by your coaches and your peers as well, no doubt. I, yeah, I don't, well, there's not, there wasn't even a vote back then. That, yeah, that's okay. how you do it now, is it? Or Well, yeah, most yeah. Uh, pretty much, I, yeah. I, for, so I think it was the board of directors that yeah, right. had the call. I, I don't know. They're the ones that approached me. Um, maybe maybe Dawes had something to, to say. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think the board back then were the ones making the decisions. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Well, probably not. Probably not the right way to go about it. You yeah. probably prefer the peer group to actually choose their captain. Well, I'm, I'm sure you you had the respect of your peers. Though it appeared that way from maybe some of them, not all. <laughs> well, appeared that way from my small part in doing some training and watching from from where I was. But um, yeah, so 2010, we had you had Brian just touching on a few of um, maybe the pieces mm. to that side. You had Brian Dawson come in. In 2008, um, we can speak a little bit more about Dawes um, later on, but you also had Tim Gape and Wade Toomey and Brett Robinson come yeah. from the Eastern States slash Tassie in 08 as well. Yeah. Um, ben Colreavy mm. came across from Claremont at the end or in 2009. Ryan Davis committed to the club in 2009 after he was delisted mm -hmm. by the Eagles. I know he'd already played a little bit yeah. um, by then. Tom Roach came across ahead of the 2010 season. Um, and what ended up being probably the biggest move was Andy Cracker came mm. to the club ahead of the 2010 season as well. I might have missed um, some other guys, but just mm. even with those um, additions sort of named, um, with with the way 2008 and 2009 had gone, um, did it feel different heading into 2010? Yeah. Well, yeah, like s some of those guys, um, you know, Geepen and Robinson and Toomey, to come in in 08 after season we had in 07 and and the culture wasn't great in 07 the feeling around the club was pretty average but you know you know what though you know yeah, what yeah those guys absolutely. are like you know swoop in particular like yeah. that was such great 
clubmen and, and they just brought so much energy to the group and off the back of that came confidence and, and that was uh, uh, they're a huge reason we're able to have such a great 08, 09 season and, mm. and then yeah um, to, for that core group to be together for a, a couple of years and then add in Andy Cracker and Tom Roach and um, Steve Canelio came in at the end well, of the yeah, year and had, he was had another played, one. played a role yeah. Um, but yeah it was just we just had such a stacked team yeah. like, and then looking through our grand final team or the team that year like pretty much all our players had either played AFL or state footy mm. Um, at some point, so it was it was a pretty talented team. Yep. Um, and uh, it, you, you mentioned that you might have started slow, but it, it sort of did reflect a little bit in how the regular season went because you'd um, won more games by the end of it than you had the previous two years. And I think Claremont were the only side that finished on top of you, but it wasn't a big margin in terms of first and um, second. Um, before we jump into the, the finals, um, quickly, Andy Cracker, broke from memory broke the record late in the season for disposals recorded in a waffle game at the time I think against Peel Thunder mm. at Bassendine here mm. um at what point did he know he was a chance to break the record was it addressed during the game and how much of an effort was there from the group to get that record what, what was the record was I think it, it was 51 yeah, 50. he had 51 that day I reckon and it, and just what I remember watching it it looked like there was an effort to give him the ball as much yeah, as possible I don't think it was spoken about it may have it may, yeah. may have but I think we smashed peel that day didn't yeah. we so yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a bit of a hapless opposition but um, yeah, that was he was amazing that season. Would he have known in that gap? Do you reckon he would have known? I don't know because even back then, like the stats weren't as prevalent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To players, so um, he may. I think I think he knew he was having a reasonable game. Yeah, but yeah. Whether or not he was breaking a record, I couldn't say. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, going into finals, um, what was sort of the feeling? Um, did you did you guys think yet yeah, you're on the sort of same level as Claremont? and a genuine chance or did they feel like there was a bit of a gap to bridge? Yeah. Uh, how did it feel yeah. going in? We were confident. That was the thing with that, that team, even coming into that year, we, we'd spoken about the fact that we wanted to win the flag. Like we didn't hide away from that. So we were confident and we had a lot of confident players who I spoke about before, mm. you know, Tim and Amesy and a whole bunch of guys that yeah. were, that were, were very confident and positive people. Um, Claremont, Claremont were the best side that that season. They might have only lost a couple of games. Um, uh, we yeah we had a couple of close games with them and beat them once and might, might have been a draw in there and I think they might have smashed us one of the games, but yeah they were definitely the red hot favourites. Yeah, yeah we weren't too far behind them. Yeah, um, and what was the environment like or how did things change after that first final where Claremont hammered you guys? Mm. Uh, it was, the margin was 50 points in the end and I think the game was just about out of reach by mm. half time. Yeah, we were well and truly beaten that day. Um, yeah, we were really disappointed because, again, going in we were really confident, um, but we dusted ourselves off pretty quickly and um, boys got around each other. I remember some team dinners during that final um, finals period so we weren't we weren't um, negative about it too quickly yeah, so okay. we turned our attention to East Perth pretty quickly and we were so excited for that preliminary final um, we knew there was going to be a huge crowd there um, yeah we were just really really excited to get back into it and that was that was one of the great days I had playing footy was that prelim final here I think that was close to 10,000 yeah. here and it was an amazing atmosphere yeah yeah I was gonna um, ask you about that but yeah it's interesting that the um 
the sort of um, response after that kind of loss wasn't to be negative at all. No. And it was sort of just to move on and be pretty positive about things, which I think probably yep. speaks a little bit about um, how you can approach those situations. Yeah, you're going to have bad days. And, mm. and we'd shown that throughout the season as well. Like I mentioned before, Claremont pants us in a pracky game. And yeah. um, the next time we played them, I think we beat them. And, and, and the first teams to beat them that year in sort of eight, around eight or nine. So... Yeah, things can had changed pretty quickly, but yeah, um, yeah we were confident in, in where we were at. Yeah, because you you'd probably know you would have experienced this after a, a bad loss. Sometimes it can be vision for doing a, a vision on a Monday night for a very long time, and a lot of negatives can be pointed out. And yep. who knows that might change the way that things end up for you guys. Say that was the approach that was um, taken. I think there's a lot to say about the response to something like that when you're in that position. Yeah, and Dorse was amazing at that. Like he um, – that was his strong suit as a coach was um, how we dealt with people. Like it was actually away from the, f- the footy field, how we how we dealt with people um, and their personalities and, and their attitudes and that sort of thing. So he was he was pretty good at, at – at, um, yeah, not, not highlighting those negatives and moving on pretty quickly and, and it was all positive from there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you you already touched on it a little bit the um, the prelim final against East Perth the next week. I'm going to have to get Justin Simpson on to tell everyone again <laughs> yeah. about the five goals that he kicked that day because I reckon I've heard that story quite a few times. Um, you already mentioned it that the um, I, I, obviously I keep I keep saying it myself, but I was here because I followed you guys basically all season um, playing Colts at the time. But I remember. Um, Bassanine Oval feeling like it was absolutely heaving that yep. day with the crowd and just the noise. Um, that, that's probably nothing on what it was like back in the 80s or yeah. even further back than that. But it's definitely the biggest crowd that's been here in a very long time. Yep. Um, and I would say Swans got the best supporter group in the comp now yeah. to this day as well. Um, and East Perth had great supporters as well. So it was added to, to, to bring that the two clans together. Yep. It was a great atmosphere. Yeah, and, and so obviously that day winning and winning that well in front of the home crowd, it would have just been an unreal experience. Yeah. And it wasn't an easy game. They were a really mature side as well. Well they had yet quarter that yeah. they were three goals up at quarter yeah, time. They jumped us early and we were yeah, it took us a, a little bit of time to, to get into the game and yeah, we, we definitely weren't playing with the same confidence that we had throughout the year, but we warmed into it. We started to to wrestle momentum by the sort of second third quarters and i think we might have won by four goals in the end yep. but um it was probably the perfect tune-up game they were hard and they really come at us and tony McHale with their coach so sort of a bit of the john todd sort of vein really yep. hard approach to everything um but yeah that was the perfect tune-up for us yep um and and talk us through what uh, grand final week was like from a waffle perspective, mm. I suppose. You hear a lot about grand final week AFL. It's obviously a massive week. It would have been a massive week for you guys. How, did it feel, how much different did it feel? Did it feel much different to yeah. any other week? Well, yeah, like it felt so different compared to the, the pre, you know, two years prior when we made the GF. Um, I, I, like making the 08 GF, I, I can't recall much of the lead into that, but the 2010 GF, there was a huge excitement around the club. I think because we'd been around the mark for the last couple of years, because we were a genuine chance. Maybe higher um, expectations. Higher, higher expectations. Yeah. I think in 08, everyone was just couldn't believe that we made the grand final. But yeah, expectations were higher. Um, 
the training, I, I remember like just little things. The, the week was like a magic week. The weather was perfect. Mm. Um, our training was, uh, I'm pretty sure, like really, 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 really slick. We had so many supporters come down to watch us train throughout the week and just the buzz of training with, you know, 500 or 1,000 Swanee supporters there yeah. was, was awesome. Yeah. Um, we had, I'm sure we had a team dinner that week. Um, as, as captain, I had a few um, media things I had to do. I had to go to one of the grand final breakfasts at, at one of the hotels. Yeah. And, yeah, there was lots to do, lots of interviews, but, yeah, it was a special week. Yeah. Um, and what was the sort of, I suppose, the, if you remember the plan going to that grand final, were there any major adjustments for Claremont to try and turn the result around from two weeks prior in terms of game plan or whatever, or was it more so just um, – back in what you guys mm. were doing and, and trust that the result would be different if you guys got it right. Yeah. Yeah. So like we, we weren't a really structured side. We were, we were a side that played a lot on instinct and that's the way Dorse coached us. He mm. wanted to ta- us, us to take the game on compared to Claremont who were really structured. So that was, they were one of the first teams to bring in, you know, full man zones. And we, we didn't know any of that. We were just playing one-on-one footy still. <laughs> they, they, they were sort of revolutionary in the waffle back then and, yep. and they were so hard to score against. So they were really structured with how they went about it and we were on the fly a little bit more and it was, yeah, for, for Endorser's message was always take the game on. And, um, you know, we what, we got together last year as a, as a team and, and watched, the, watched the GF together um, for a, like 10 or 11 year reunion, whatever yep. it was. And, just watching how the, the game was played back then is so different to now in terms of numbers ahead of the footy and ta- you know playing on and just taking risks and I suppose the game's starting to change like that a little bit again now. But for a period of time there was none of that was there and uh, but that was that was our that was our mantra really. So I, I, we definitely wanted to go hard at Claremont physically and and that was something that that we did initially in the, all throughout the game. But early in the game we wanted to make a stamp physically and. Um, a few of us, you know, went, went after a few of their guys. Who, and who were the main, um, who were the main instigators on Swan District side? I yeah. imagine you would have been yeah. right up there. I think the the midfield group, yeah, um, with Lane, Spanderman, um, Wade Toomey to come into the midfield group, and and he um, he might have given away a free kick at the first centre bounce, I think, from memory. But yeah, we all we all went pretty hard at their midfield group. But you know, Graham Jetter in the back line was hard all day. Yeah. But, as a collective, yeah, we, we wanted to make a, make a stand physically. Yeah. Um, and b- belief was pretty high heading into that yeah. game, despite yeah. what happened a couple of weeks yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like being in the showers on the Thursday night and everyone's talking about how we're going we're gonna to win. And I just <laughs> sort of thought, I'm not sure if we should be speaking like this. Like, <laughs> should we temper expectations a little bit? But I think looking back on it, I think it was the right way to go. Like you've just got to have this confidence and self-belief. And that's what our guys had. And, um, yeah, there was absolutely no thought that we weren't going to win. Yeah. Um, and the game itself, I mean, anyone who hasn't seen it, um, do yourself a favour and jump on YouTube because it's still one of the best games I've ever watched live. Um, you could talk through so many moments, but what do you what do you remember? What's your rele- recollection of the game itself? Mm. Yeah, it was... It was just tight all day. Like they'd they'd go out for a couple of goal lead, we'd peg it back, we might go a couple of goals up, they'd peg us back. But the whole day there was just it and I suppose the way it was played back then as well, it was just so many one on one contests. And they were they were as physical as what we were as well. So they didn't take a backward step. But 
it was just there was just pressure all day. There was there was no easy kicks. Um, yeah, there was no. Yeah, everything was hard won that day. Yeah, it was. That, I, mean, I actually can't remember lots of little plays throughout the game. Yeah. It's one of the one of the games that I maybe was just so mentally drained that it doesn't. I don't remember a lot of it, yeah. but you know, um, just moments from players like Steve Camilio and obviously Cracker was great all day. But we had so many unsung heroes that mm. day as well that that don't get mentioned a lot, but performed yeah amazing roles. Yeah, um, and was it the most intense? Um, game that you've been a part of 100 yeah because yeah, people talk about that like it's a different you know it's a different level that yeah. kind of thing was it the most intense you've ever yeah yeah because it was so close and and be, and you know claremont had are always a successful side but from memory they played in a lot of losing grand finals mm-hmm. leading into that yeah i think dave crawford might have played in three or four losing gfs leading into that yep. so there was a there was a bit of a monkey on their back and, and a bit of pressure from their end to um to perform and to win and and to be beaten by Swans, who hadn't won anything in twenty odd years, yeah, um, yeah, it was a massive day. Yeah, um, and that's a nice little segue, actually. When into the next question, when when Crawford took the mark in the goal square and kicked the goal for them, did you did you know how much time was left, and did you think you guys were still a chance, or were you a bit were you a bit yeah. worried that it might have been all over? So again, like you, we never. It was never a digital clock, or we never knew exactly how long there was to go. But we we could look up on the scoreboard and see it was at the thirty three minute mark or thirty five minute mark or whatever it was. So we knew there wasn't long to go. But even then, like there was never any um, thought that the game was done. Mm. It was just next contest, and and it fell our way. I think luckily it was probably high scoring in terms of the quarter mm. length. And I think um, did Jets get. Did Jetta get? Sh- did he get Probably. stretched off? Yeah, we, he definitely got knocked out. It was in the last quarter, wasn't four it? Times, I think. That game. It was, <laughs> yeah, but he definitely won't remember any of that. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a long quarter. Yeah, and um, obviously, um, Andy Cracker's game was unbelievable, like you mm. said, and and Steve Cornelio was the other one who might have been sort of the one that popped up out of nowhere in terms of coming into the side and being maybe a point of difference or a bit mm. of an X factor for you guys late for a six. He was 16. I know he was, he was turning 17, but he was 16 mm. at the time he played that game. It was yeah. a pretty unreal. Unreal. Yeah. What a kid. Um, yeah. Even like you asked before about leading into the, the grand final, um, we had a training session on the Tuesday or, or Wednesday, whatever it was, at Subi Oval. Yeah. And this was the night after the Sandover. So a lot of us were at the Sandover and Cracks had won pretty comfortably. Yeah. It was a great night. Um, but it was our main training session of the week at Subi and, and Cracks wasn't there. And Dorse <laughs> had given him the night off. Yeah, right. I like, okay, that's like the main session before a GF. But like that was just brilliant by Dorse knowing that that's what he needed at that point. Yeah. He was just probably mentally not cooked, but he just had so much going on over that period of time that the best thing for him to do that day was to take to, to say – have it off, yeah. Just, you know, do something else. So, um, but yeah, um, he was unbelievable. Yeah, just so the whole season, like when he came back, he was so fit. He was such a great teammate. You know, um, he showed such great leadership throughout that whole season, um, and just the determination he had. And and then with Steve, um, he came into the side very late in the year, but just to have that composure and maturity as a 16, 17 year old, like it was just everyone could see it. Yep. straight away that he had something about him yeah and um you know he performed okay i think in the in the lead up to the the grand final but he was doing enough to hold his spot mm. but yeah just 
coming on and, and having the composure he did in the grand final to to take the most make the most of his opportunities and finish some clutch goals. Yeah, absolutely. Was unreal. Yeah. Um the the Sandover, I'm curious, I don't know if you remember, but did any of the um did any of the boys sneak knowing who was playing in that team at the time, did any of the boys sneak a few beers in on the Monday night leading into the, the grand final? A lot of lunatics in that night. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um I'm sure we're all in our best behaviour that night. <laughs> I don't know if Lane's fan of any probably I don't think it was at the Sandover, he probably got rubbed out during the year. So <laughs> I can't remember, but um I'm sure we're all pretty well behaved yeah. that night. Um, and what were the celebrations like? How long did they last? I, I, I remember you talk about what the um, crowd was like for the prelim final. I remember what it was like where we are right now, which is upstairs yeah. um, in the main uh, function room, I suppose, where awards get done. I, my recollection is that there was no room to move yeah, up you here. Move. Yeah, that was unreal. And it was by the end of that night, it was just, it was, I was so mentally drained it was just such the, the biggest day and 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 being up here all night and just the amount of people and you couldn't move you couldn't breathe it was it was um it was unbelievable yeah. and and that that's sort of that's like that's what you think about as well once you finish up it's it's not it's the group of players that played there but it's what it meant to so many other people and this club more than any other club i'm sure it means more to, to so many other people the, mm. the success that we have when we when we have had it but yep. yeah that night was one of the best nights of all time yeah. and and yeah the celebrations kicked on for for a few days so. yeah, yeah yeah very good very good um, i'm sure there would have been a lot of candidates for best on within that side as well yeah yeah we had some like we had a lot of competitive people and i think <laughs> that that even um, flowed through to when we were out everyone wanted to be the best in yeah. terms of how many drinks they could have yeah. and all the yeah. other things that come with that so yeah um so yeah sort of wraps up 2010 pretty nicely I, w I wanted to talk a little bit more about the um experiences uh captain um premiership captain now which would be i'm sure a pretty good feeling reflecting on that um as a whole looking back across the whole time you were captain which was three years how, how did you sort of find that experience i mean um you had a team that was pretty big on the off-field stuff mm. um it was fair to say a lot of different characters i mean how'd you go about trying to manage sort of that and keep everyone on track and then and then the other part of it as well is after the flag the, the club had a, a few struggles mm. um in the immediate years following how, how did how did you go with all that yeah. and what was that experience all like being the captain of the club rightly or wrongly my mentality in in 2010 was just let the boys be boys and yeah <laughs> give them the freedom of doing and I was part of it as well you know everyone mm -hmm. liked to have a good time and enjoyed yep. each other's company and enjoyed um the celebrations and, and the time we spent together off the field and, and I think that was a big part of of the success we had in 2010 but um yeah like I wasn't I didn't yeah didn't try to to do anything differently off the field probably changed a little bit in 2011 when we when we went like in saying that it's it's when you're playing good footy and winning it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> In 2011, when we struggled and I think we came second last, um, that's when it was a little bit different. And um, and again, like the celebrations just continued on from 2010 to 2011 and we were horrendous um, yeah. that year. And at that point, um, yeah, there was a lot more discussions in, in terms of what needed to be done outside of footy and, and all those sorts of things, which I was involved in as captain. And 
yeah, I just didn't, yeah, for me, I didn't like that part of it. I just wanted to play footy and, um, you know, perform well and, and, and be part of a successful club. But yeah, so 2010 was just a golden, you know, the perfect year for me. But um, yeah, 2011, I, I probably struggled with it as, as captain. And, um, and I think Stiff probably saw that as well. And, and um, yeah, um, brought in Amesy as dual captains for my last year in 2012. And yeah, that was probably the right move as well. So yeah, it's there's there's a lot. Yeah, I thought winning covers over everything. Yeah, so okay. if you win, it actually doesn't matter what's yeah. going on behind the scenes. As soon as you start start winning, then all of a sudden, yeah, there's more pressure and more more things involved. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm guessing there was nothing major in 2010 that sort of had to be straightened up with any of the players from memory. Not from my end. Anyway, or it was yeah. it was it was all gravy. If you guys were going well, I suppose. Yeah. There was no big incidents that year. I think that the previous years before that, there was quite a few things okay. that had blown up. But yeah, again, right. we still we still had some success. But um, yeah, I tried not to be too involved with that. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, just moving on to um, Brian Dawson. So you've touched a little bit on what he was like in terms of um, his response to certain situations or losing certain games and and wanting guys to play an instinct and even giving like Andy Cracker the Tuesday leading into the grand final off. Like that gives you a bit of an insight into the type of character he was. Um, I don't know, did you want to sort of touch on what, what he was like as a coach compared to your others? Mm. Um, did he have any – did you ever, did you get, ever cough any sprays from him? Because it, it doesn't sound like he was the type to mm. really give out sprays. Did he have any of that in him? Yeah, like every now and then he would, but very, very rarely um, and, and never really individualised sprays. It was more as a, as a team, but only on the very rare occasion. But the best thing about Dorse was he just created an environment where people could – have the the freedom and and um, opportunities to just be the you know play footy and, and be the best that they could be. He didn't I think a lot of coaches overcoach and try to create structures and 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 and, and makes it a little bit harder for, for players to play footy, especially at this level. Um, but he didn't have any of that in. And um, yeah, that was his that that was from a coaching perspective. That's what he was amazing at. But it was off the field as well. Like it was. How we like, like I said before, we had a lot of different characters. A few guys got into trouble every now and then, but he would never hang anyone because of that. He would be there to talk to them, support them, um, um, back them up, be there, be there for them as that sort of fatherly figure, but not in a disciplinarian way. Of course, he would, you know, he would give you advice, but the way he would do it was so different to other coaches that I'd had before. And and again, I've got no doubt that 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 was a big part of bringing the, the team together and getting the most out of a lot of individuals. Yeah. And do you think that was um, more important um, in a waffle environment compared to AFL where it's not full-time? 100%. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's going back to thinking that other coaches overcoach as well. Like you can sort of do that maybe more in an AFL environment where it's, it, it is full-time, but in this environment it's – it's pretty hard to do that. So you sort of get caught in the middle a little bit. So, um, but yeah, he, he understood people well and um, yeah, he was a great man manager and, and he had assistant coaches around him that, that had strength in other areas um, that he was, you know, very much happy to, to, um, to have, um, you know, not, not palm off, but have them sort of look after certain things. Yep. Yep. Um, and you retired um, in 2012 and, um, 
Did you retire early? You're, you're 27 yeah, or 28, 28 at the time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, like, Didn't have a few more in the a few more in the tank, maybe. Yeah, I definitely did, but yeah, it was just it was just work, really. So okay. I had to make a decision with my career, and and I couldn't really keep juggling the two. So um, it was it was a it was a tough decision to make because I thought I always thought that I would be here till 32. 33 whatever and i would have loved to have played 200 plus mm. and really 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 sort of push that but that's the waffle footy isn't it yeah. like it comes to the time where you have to make some life decisions as well and it was the right decision for me to make but so it was mostly based around your, your obviously career outside of yeah, playing footy yeah. yeah i had an opportunity to open a business and um and that was yeah that it was already hard enough juggling work and footy but just to, for that to be successful and you had to commit 100 percent to that and um, yeah, it was tough because yeah, there was definitely a couple more years of footy, but um, yeah, it was it was yeah the decision that had to be made. Did you play um, footy like amateur footy anywhere no, or anything like that? No, Just finished never, completely. Never played a game again. Yeah, so, okay, right. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, um, that actually segues nicely into the the next thing I was going to ask, which was um, I, I don't know what it was like, but probably at the peak of you playing waffle, but um, it's a fair juggling act um now in terms of playing waffle footy and you have to be you have to be doing something else whether that's mm. studying or um doing an apprenticeship or working full time how did you um how did you find the balance of doing that because obviously afl guys got the talent they're very skillful mm. they're very good at what they do but i reckon waffle especially it seems to be pretty professional now in terms of expectation it's a hard balancing act like having done it for a while yeah. in terms of i'd got a lot of respect for guys who do it mm. yeah and you've got a whole mix of different people working in different industries as well so whether whether you you know you work you're a laborer or you um you know a tradesperson you're on the tools all day and then have to come to training and then play and you'd be absolutely cooked you know come coming into the end of the week and, mm. and game day um, yeah, for me, it was a struggle. Like I'm, I work in real estate and there was a lot of weekend work. So I would play on Saturday and then work on Sunday and lots of after hour stuff. So sometimes coming to training and then heading back to the office and staying there till eight or nine o'clock at night doing what needed to be done. So yeah, it got, definitely got to a point by the end that decision had to be made. Yeah, um, okay. But yeah, it, it is tough. And, and, and I think that's why so many young kids now don't progress forward until they're 25 or 30 years of age because it is such a hard juggling act yeah um but yeah those guys that have done it absolute credit to them did you um have anything that helped you balance like maybe any stress in terms of having to do work and footy anything outside of either of those two or was it sort of just this is what you've got to do yeah. and just keep doing it <laughs> and that was it yeah it yeah. was just work and footy really there was not a lot else in between yeah. so yeah. yeah and i didn't really feel too much stress amongst everything like mm -hmm. it was the, the days and the weeks roll into each other pretty quickly yeah. and um yeah no it wasn't something that was a, too much of a concern yeah um all right now we're going to move into a couple little i suppose half segments haven't yeah. really developed these too much um haven't got any stingers for them or anything which is just poor on my part would love to get some more might have to get Amesy to come in and do a bit yeah, more work for me there that. but the first one i've just got a couple of I suppose they're just quick fire questions. Um, it'd be interesting to see if you've got anything for this one, given um, how long you played in the era you played in. Best sledge you have heard or copped 
if any, and if it's appropriate to say on here. Yeah, we. I mean, yeah, we. We play like our team was big sledges. Um, I like just stupid stuff. I can't remember any, yeah, okay. anything in particular, but it was common. Yeah, yeah, it was absolutely common early to mid two thousands, and yeah, um, yeah, you could say some stuff that you probably wouldn't say now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there was some guys that were yeah amazing at it. Yeah, who have got the same person in mind that I have who might have been the best at it at oh, the time at, at our club. Yeah. Tim Gaffer, yeah. yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. I'd love to get him on here. Yeah, <laughs> oh, he'd love to come on here. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be he's living over in um back over in Tassie, Tassie now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, so we might have to try and set up some sort of Zoom thing yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what was the if you can remember the hardest training session you ever did? Yeah, so... Did you have Andy Budge run any of your pre-seasons so while you were at the club? Yeah, he came in at right at the last year. So he did the 2012 year. Um, and yeah, that was pretty tough. So he had a couple of the SAS guys. Did Salty come down this year for you yeah, guys? Yeah, yeah. So yeah okay. Salty with the steel bars on the beach yeah, and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So you've experienced all that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we had Toddy back in the day as well, like um, after... It, so yeah, Toddy, what we used to do with Toddy... After a game on a Sunday, we'd get – so we'd, get be we'd play on the Saturday, we'd get belted. The whole club would go to Yokine Reserve on the Sunday morning. We'd have we'd – have, that would be the hard, nearly the hardest session of the week. We'd have laps of the pool and then we'd have to do two laps of Yokine Reserve, which was I think four or five K one lap. So it was nearly 10, 10 kilometres a day after. He'd ride his bike behind all the players and <laughs> you had a certain time that you had to run, run, run underneath. And then we'd come to training on the Monday and it was just, you'd have to, you'd just do circle work for hours and there was no recovery. There was no thought put into that. So a lot of the tough sessions back then were just straight after games yeah, right. and running again. Not and a lot of sports science you'd, involved. You'd never do any of that sort of stuff now. Nah. But it, yeah, would have, yeah, would have hardened a few blokes. Up. Yeah. I've heard stories about some of his sort of, um, training yeah. trainings that he's training sessions that he used to run yeah, yeah. and he probably he probably mellowed a bit by the time he was here as well like it was probably it was probably a lot harder back in the 80s and 90s yeah um this one yeah it's, it's probably more a little bit more directed at guys who play at the moment but that it's still relevant actually favorite thing to do in your downtime now now um i think when you've got a couple of kids and there's no <laughs> downtime yeah, so okay. that, that's the big thing i mean I, I still love to keep fit i like to run and um yeah um try to try to look after myself in that way but other than work and kids and a little bit of fitness on the side there's not a lot else there but yeah i love to travel and yeah. um hopefully can do a bit more now that we can again yeah after absolutely all these years but what's next on the bucket list um I've, yeah, I've just signed up for a, a race next year, actually. It's like an ultra marathon. Um, it's like a last man oh, standing yeah. event. So it's like a 6.7 kilometer yeah. course and yeah. you have to, to finish a lap and then on the hour go again. Yeah, I've heard about this. So Have you done anything like that before? Not really. So yeah. I'm, I've done a few marathons, but um, yeah, that's that's March next year. So I'm, I'm giving myself a good lead in into it. But yeah, I'd love to sort of do you know 24 hours of that if i can yeah well, yeah. i don't know if i can but i'm gonna have a crack That'd at it that'd be unreal effort um have you done like new york marathon or no nothing any? overseas nah. so a couple you know, gold coast marathon a couple of times yep. in canberra but um yeah nothing overseas yeah um last tv series you watched are you much of a tv watcher um, or 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 re reading of books i had Lockie riley on here 
couple of weeks ago and he surprised me by saying that he reads a lot of um, philosophy books, which I would yeah, okay. never have picked from him. Yep. <laughs> I do read a lot of books. Yep. Um, reading a book about AI at the moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a bit scary actually when, when you sort of think, see what's coming in the future oh, yeah. and what's already here. So yep. but I like biographies and all those sorts of things. Um, yeah, I watch the odd series. Um, I can't remember the last one I watched, but... Um, Probably don't have much time either to do that. The series I always loved was House of Cards on Netflix. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. know that's a little bit older, but I, uh, yeah, I love that when it was yeah, out that a few was years a ago. Yeah. Um, no, very good. So the next one, we, Dirt on Jro is what we're going to be calling it. Right, okay. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't got too much, so there's not too much of a stitch up here. And it's, it's some of it's actually quite good. But the first, the first one I got was... Um, he used to ask me what the score was all the time. Oh, yeah. Because he might not have been able to see the scoreboard. Yeah. What was the go with that? That's naughty, isn't it? Nah. Nah? Nah, that's not naughty. Isn't it? Nah. Um, yeah, I, like I wear contacts now. I've got really yeah, bad eyesight, okay. but w- I only started wearing them after I played footy. So I, I, ne- I needed them the last few years of my career. Yeah, I couldn't right. see the scoreboard and... <laughs> It was yeah, pretty. pretty so you might have won a Sandover if you <laughs> if you could see right. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't see the scoreboard. This person reckons he um he used to just say that he's up by ten or something oh, every really? time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I got asked to ask you about the Ask Tattoo collection that was acquired over a number of days or nights on the 2010 footy trip. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we went to Thailand and um. Yeah, it was it was for a full moon party. Yeah, and um, yeah, we had a I probably had eight or eight or nine of us there, and we all got a little bit of ink at some point throughout yeah, the right. trip. And yeah, I've got yeah three three. I've got the biggest number thirty eight on my arm <laughs> on one cheek, and there's a mushroom there and a bucket as well. So it's not something I'm proud of. Yeah, right. But um, it was yeah, it was it was at the time it was a good it, idea. It felt like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> How, how how many um how many did you get across on that footy trip out of curiosity? Because I reckon these well maybe not, but it feels like these days it'd be harder to drum up a high yeah. participation rate and go on overseas. Riggs and Davo were there. That that, <laughs> that surprise you? No, nah. no. Nah, Roachy, Amesy, Maddie Spencer. Yeah. Um, few few others. I'm sure I can't exactly remember, but yeah, it was probably seven eight of us. Yeah. I think in yeah. total. Roach's tattoo is the worst. Yeah, so right. I was with him when he got a tattoo, and it was, it was, um, it, it's the Swan District's emblem, but right on his sort of front hip area. Yeah. Um, but they did it um, with like the bamboo, like a traditional oh, yeah. way of going about it. This, like, we had up on the the laptop the Swan District's emblem, and he's there for hours trying to hammer it into Roach's like <laughs> just the, the real sensitive part of his of his body, and it's it's pretty. Um, skew if and it's all over the shop it was pretty average what so. made him think of getting it there just the yeah the mindset that <laughs> at the time probably wasn't the, the best so. yeah uh, um another one was that was thought of late by this person was went to adelaide for a state game once um and all went out and apparently you were um pretty happy to pay for all the boys to go to a VIP section with the credit yeah. card, which very generous of you. Um, and then also got home in the morning just before the recovery yeah. session and ended up um, jumping into Kyle Ham's um, shower with all of your clothes on. <laughs> is, this, is this true or false? 
That's Riggs for sure. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, Riggs was there every step of the way as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, um, yeah, that was a that was a big night. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, one night in Adelaide. What what more are you going to do? So yeah. we went to the clubs, and there was a VIP opportunity, so we made the most of it. Was that the only um? Was that the only time you got to travel for state with the other two games in, no, in WA, or did the you? Fir- first game in 07 was in Melbourne. Yep. Um, and um, yeah, we played at Port Melbourne, I think. Uh, yeah, we got smashed by 100 odd points, so it wasn't a great experience. But yeah, they're always good fun. Yeah, state trips. Which one was your favourite? Um, I, I know the like, even though we we got smashed, the Melbourne one was a great experience. Yep. Um, like Shane, we had Shane Woden playing with us. Like for me. Being a you know a lover of AFL footy to to be able to play footy with a Brownlow medalist and some really experienced AFL players was amazing. Yeah, who who did you support AFL growing up? Freo, just on that, yeah, yeah, okay. Freo support. Yeah, right. or South Fremantle as yeah. well. I suppose it sort of makes sense. Yeah, um, this this one um, pretty interesting to me, and this got brought up um, by more than one person, but. He had a habit of switching shirts and making people switch shirts with each other when out on the drinks. Yeah. And and if and if you didn't, he potentially might not like you if you didn't follow the yeah. instruction. I don't know who st- I don't know if it was me that started it, but definitely was a partaker of it. Yeah. It was just it was such again, like looking back, it was so stupid, but we would all go out, we'd all be at the hippie club and halfway through the night everyone's rotating different shirts with each other so we all yeah. go home with different shirts some of that pretty mature yeah, it? yeah. that sounds like sounds like it was, it was pretty good, funny it was at, the time. Yeah. at the time it was pretty funny but yeah um it's talking about the hippie club so that was the staple back then as well was there anywhere else wasn't the was the dean when it was a sponsor yeah. was that going pretty well for a while too yeah the dean so the dean sponsored us in 2010 our premiership year yeah so Amesy was, you know, the one that had all the bar cards and given <laughs> out to all the guys. So, yeah, we were there most, most Saturday nights. Amesy yeah. was a ringleader. Um, but, yeah, that was that was, that was was before the Hippie. Hippie sort of came probably the year the years after that. Um, and then sort of going back before before that, before that, everyone went to Subiaco and Red Sea and Under the Sea. Yeah, that was okay. my first experience of like footy club, <laughs> nightclub sort of get-togethers. I'm sure many good nights yeah. um, across the years as oh, well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I got asked to ask you or touch on the fact that you've got a couple of dogs and to ask what um, breed they are. Ah, okay. The two dogs. Yeah, they, two Pomeranians. Yeah. So <laughs> with how tough a play you were and the contrast to the dog breeds you've got at home compared to your personality, I was asked just to bring that up and touch on really? that. Who said that? <laughs> I don't have you a guess. Say. No, no. I don't know. You've had a thing of it. I only got feedback from a couple. Okay. Um, yeah. you've, you've mentioned him a few times Names already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Look, I don't <laughs> Probably wasn't my decision to <laughs> those dogs, but they're great dogs. Yeah. Um, the last one that it was, it's actually a really good one, is just in general mentioning that you're probably the toughest player that uh, they'd ever, you were the toughest player they'd ever played with, reckons that you almost died in a one on one contest at Steel Blue one year on the members' side wing um, against East Perth, and it'd be great. For you to discuss that contesting game, if you can remember it, because they reckon it almost killed you. Yeah, I think I think it's against West Perth. Um, okay. At yeah, it was a mem- members, yeah, on the members' wing. Um, it was just a fifty-fifty ball, and both of us 
went at it head head first and we just cracked heads and yeah. I know from a lot of people that were there it was pretty sickening sound um and I think he got stretched off I walked off that <laughs> and then came on five or ten minutes later yeah. so that there was no concussion protocols back then nah. so but yeah that that was yeah it was it was it was bad but not to the point of cracked skulls or anything yeah, like okay. that um I don't think your reputation was built just off that cuz I was also told that you might have played with a broken elbow for 3 weeks as well. Yeah, it was a game. Yeah, I um dislocated my elbow and broke my wrist. Yeah. And Matty Rogers who was here for a bit, yep. he you know how big he is, he tackled me and then fell fell on me and my elbow popped out and and my wrist broke and yeah, I just was reluctant. I knew it was pretty bad, but I just didn't want to not play and yeah. and um just yeah, just strapped strapped him up for a few weeks, and I think yeah, played three weeks with it, but just the pain got too much in the end, and it ended up seeing a specialist, and then had to get some surgery. So yeah, okay, <laughs> but it wasn't the smartest thing. Nah, but one of those types of people who didn't want to miss yeah at all, yep. obviously, because yep. not everyone's like that. Nah, I don't, and I don't know why I didn't ask for any help, but yeah, it was just the way it was back yep. then. Yeah. Um, so that 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 wraps up just that little bit. I, I reckon there are a lot more stories that probably can't be told on yeah. here as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but yeah, no, there's a couple of good ones in there. The um the last little segment is um just a bit of this or that. So I, I'm going to ask these questions, and basically I'm scoring every guest that I have on, and whoever wins is based on my subjective opinion okay. of the answers. Okay. Um, so I'll be recording them. Um, and then I'm going to try and come up with something to give the winner mm -hmm. at the end of the year. So to be determined, again, not great organisation from me. But, yeah, just real quick fire responses, first thing that comes to mind. Um, peanut butter, crunchy or smooth or Crun neither? Crunchy. That's a good start. I've actually been surprised with how many guys have said smooth really? so far. But, yeah, yeah, disappointing, I know. Yeah, barbecue or tomato sauce? Barbecue. Yeah. It, See, this is I knew I'd get good answers out of you so far. Um, sausage roll or pie? Pie. Oh, it's controversial. Really? Too hard to eat, aren't they? What Too you hot. Doing? You know, like the you bite into it, it just no. You've just got to have a good technique. And, <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah, just work on the layering up top. And, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's just all in the technique. So there's a technique about it. Um, LeBron or MJ? MJ. Yeah, I would have been very surprised if you said LeBron. And uh, with how quick you said MJ, I wouldn't want to put you and Jesse Turner in a room and ask you two about it. <laughs> um, you, you, you're, you've you mentioned that you're a bit of a, um, like a footy nuffy or were. I don't know if you still followed a fair bit now, yeah, but you, you'll know it. you'll know this. Um, so the Brisbane hat trick from 01 to 03, the Hawthorne hat trick, which was 13 to 15. Um, Richmond's three flags in four years, which was, yeah, those recent ones, or Geelong's three flags, 07, 09, and 11 in five years. Mm. If you had to pick one, which one are you taking? Or none of them, and you've got another one in mind. Nah, Brisbane. Yeah. Brisbane for sure. Like, that team was so hard. Um, and they weren't the best team throughout the year. I just love how they got themselves up for finals. And, yeah, th for me, that was the one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that that's a great answer. I loved watching those um those teams as well. So this one here, so the the World Cup winning goal in soccer, you the ga game seven of the NBA finals, you hit the winning jump shot, the buzzer beater, um, the winning goal in an AFL grand final, the winning putt at the Masters, 
or you either hit the winning runs in the deciding fifth Ashes test in England or you take their final wicket when the opposition needs two runs to win, say. Which Masters. Is, yeah. Yeah. Not much hesitation Masters. there either. I love the Masters. Yeah, right. You, you, do you play a bit of golf? A little bit. I'm horrendous, but yeah, yeah I love Masters. Just love week. watching it. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on... Do you have any thoughts on PGA versus Live, or you're not really fast? Um, just while we're there, yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting. I, I I'm I'm not sure I'm a fan of the the Live concept, um, but it's it's interesting sort of sitting back watching the two sides go at it. Yeah, um, it would be nice if the best players were all in the same spot and playing at each other every week. But um, yeah, just like you know the 54 holes and no card, it's sort of not really golf yeah. for me when, yeah. when, when they've changed it like that. Obviously, that's that's their intention. But even like this, the music at the at the, the course, I like I like the traditional side of things. So. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, this one is probably going to be a quick answer as well. It's it's similar to the one we just had, but the te- winning the tennis Grand Slam in a year, being the best soccer player in the world in a year when you win the World Cup, Golf Grand Slam or MVP Finals MVP and champion in the NBA in the same year. Be between tennis and golf, but yeah, I think at the moment golf. Like if yeah. you're, I'd love to be an elite golfer. Yeah, T- tennis would be great yeah, though, t- wouldn't tennis it? Tennis would be tough sport. Tennis. Um, coffee order. Short Mac. Yep. A bit of Italian style about that. It's like yeah, the little, like little that. cup that you get, and yeah. yeah, not not sitting on it too long, straight to the point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, alcoholic beverage of choice can it can be a type or it can be a specific brand of something if you want it to be. Yeah, um, I think it depends. Like as you get a bit older, you start yeah. <laughs> drinking a little bit more, not sensibly, but different sort of things. So. <laughs> Um, I love a Negroni these days. Yeah, right. Have you had a Negroni? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love a Negroni, but yeah. um, it's just a nice red wine. Oh, yeah. Like nothing beats a beer on a hot day. Yeah. But what What's your go-to beer? Um, I, I just like single fin. Yeah. yeah. I, like, yeah. I like anything, but yeah, yeah like the, the WA-based stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Support the local. Um, north or south of Perth in um, general? This is a bit interesting yeah. because you supported South Fru yeah, growing I never, up. I never lived south. I've yeah. always sort of lived northish. So, yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to live too far north yeah. or too far south. Yeah, yeah. more yeah. in the middle. In the north. I'm yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so this one, you might not know, but if you know me, this gets you bonus points if you answer it correctly. This is the last one as well. Who's the best um, key defender in the AFL? Right now. Yeah. As yeah. we speak. Yeah. The best key defender in the AFL. Yeah. How do you sort of look at it? Is it oh, I can't, defensive I, capabilities? Oh, just or? like all around. Like best key defender in the in the comp. You're a massive West Coast snuffy, aren't you? Oh, no comment here. I'd <laughs> probably say Barras or someone <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty good. Yeah. Is that, is that your but, answer? Yeah. That's more, yeah. yeah. If, if you want the points, that's your answer. Yeah. Oh, Barras. He's, <laughs> he's very good. My geez. Form's been a bit. Hard Slow. To play, hard to play well in that side. Yeah, that's moment. right. Um, that wraps up that little segment, which okay. which I think you've gone pretty well. We'll, we'll collect the scores and I'll let you know towards okay. the end of the year what's going on. But um, to finish off, I um, like I did with the first question, I sort of ask, I'll ask the same one at the end. This one will be slightly different for you because I'm, I'm normally asking what the next thing is you want to achieve from a footy or a non 
footy, uh, sorry, and a non-footy perspective. Obviously, the footy perspective doesn't come into it for you, but I know you're working in um, real estate, you own your own business mm. in real yep. estate. Um, so yeah, what's the next thing you want to achieve? And it, it, it doesn't have to be big, but yeah, it could be something small, but if we ever get you back on, you know, we, we can reflect if yeah. we potentially get you back on for a second time. So like, that was the reason I finished footy is because I wanted to open a business and that's that's just over 10 years old now. So it's it's been a, a, a big commitment over that period of time. So it's sort of at the point now where I'm really happy with it. It's not, not that there's not more to achieve, but it's it's running smoothly and as long as it keeps going that way, I couldn't be happier. But I still, yeah, I still love doing physical activities and I feel, you know, physically strong enough to still be able to, you know, it's that sort of, mindset of wanting to compete in something that's why i love you know running and marathons and wanting to do some ultra stuff so that that's really excites me and yeah and even just like playing golf and, and getting your handicap down I'm, I'm just so yeah you just want to improve like you want to keep improving in whatever you're doing yeah so yeah maybe, maybe fit and third on the way potentially no nah, definitely not yeah so <laughs> def- definitely two um, yeah. but again just just being there for your kids and yeah. supporting them and whatever they want to do and yeah um, trying to show them the world and yeah, like there's so much stuff to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the ultra that you um touched on is a is a pretty big one if yeah. you can tick that off as well. Yeah, yeah. So Twelve months time. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. Um, nah, beautiful. Well, that 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 sort of wraps us up. We haven't gone too bad for time, so hopefully I haven't I haven't kept you longer than I I should have. But um, I appreciate yeah, I appreciate you taking out the time and hopefully um. You enjoyed it and yeah thank you no yeah. it's a great great initiative and um yeah i look forward to listening to a few of them. Oh, I'm, I'm sure plenty of people will look forward to listening to this one and um yeah who knows we might get you on again in the future but um have, no. you, have you got anyone else from my era so I, I haven't got um i haven't done any others yet but i'll give a little bit of a sneak peek i might have very tall slight key defender Mm-hmm. that you've mentioned a few yeah. times um playing champing at the bit to get on here yeah, as absolutely well. so yeah right uh, I've, I've got a few on my list i, I, I try to get matt riggio on yep. and um he he t- he knocked it back at first really? yeah you, you okay. have to get stuck into him for me about okay. that when you see him next time mm. um but there's a few others as well that i'm pretty keen to get on but i'll have yep. to i'll have to work at it but um nah hopefully you coming on might be the catalyst for a few as well and Hopefully, yeah, you enjoyed it and hopefully it's just a good time. But, yeah, cheers for coming on. Appreciate it. No, had a good time. Cheers. Thanks, mate.